welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm going to move around here just a little bit and get set. Got a couple things that I need to put in place, and I'm going to step off stage for just a moment uh, to grab my water. I'm giving our video team a heads up there so they don't panic and think that I've left and try to find me. Uh, They can just keep uh, focused on where they are. And if you have noticed this morning, I'm doing a lot of stuff, right? I'm wearing a bunch of hats. I did the worship transition. He did the next steps. He's got the message. And you might be wondering, hey, where are some of those other faces? How come they're not here? And why aren't they pulling their fair share of the load? That's what I'm saying. No, I'm teasing. Uh, But I'm going to address that towards the end of the message as we highlight some things that God is doing in and through our church family. But it is uh, really my honor to begin our new sermon series this morning. If you're on our uh, email list, then you already know you've had a heads up or you've caught this on social media already. But we're starting a new sermon series this morning, and it is, is entitled Heroes Discovering Your Kingdom Adventure. And hopefully that's something that kind of piqued your interest, that has kind of stirred something in your heart and in your life. Because I think that we all have a longing for adventure in our life in, in some form or fashion. Even as adults, there's still, like, we want comfortable adventure, right? Some of us camping, we, we're glampers now because you can't get up off the ground any longer. But, you know, there's still, we want to do something that's seemingly uh, dangerous or adventurous in those regards. But can you, can you think about when you were a kid? Think about when you were a kid and, like, the adventures that you went on. Um, I grew up with three little brothers. We had a ton of adventures. My family would probably call them uh, more like misadventures or mischief, but potato, potato for me. They were adventures for us. And I remember uh, uh, very distinctly in, like, kindergarten or first grade, having imaginary adventures, uh, fighting and rescuing and all the things, I guess, that little boys have imagination for. And distinctly, I remember playing with a, a neighbor boy down the street. His name was Roddy. And we, in our backyard, had a swing set. Uh, it was a, a wooden swing set. It had ropes and swings all over it. And there was one part that had, like, just these boards for climbing. And in my head, it looks like a pirate ship. I don't actually know if that's legit or just something that I've carried from my childhood. But at least part of it, to me, resembled a pirate ship, and my friend Roddy was over, and I distinctly remember uh, playing pirates. Now, we weren't pirates, though. We were actually rescuing a neighbor girl from down the street, a little cute girl from down the end of the block. We were rescuing her from pirates. Now, she wasn't there. She wasn't playing with us, which, you know, is pretty much how it usually goes for us guys. We just have this imagination. Nobody else is participating. But I remember, I, I remember that adventure very, very vividly. And it was something that kind of played into day after day. And and this is what I remember about being a kid. Every new day started with this thought that adventure awaits. Adventure awaits. What am I going to do today? What what game am I going to play? Who am I going to interact with? Like the, the sky was the limit. And then all of a sudden, life starts happening to us, and those things start limiting us. They kind of start closing in on us. I I think it's when your dad starts giving you chores. I'm blaming it on pops here. That was the slow descent into what you see before you today. But when I was young, like every day was one that I met with a thought of adventure. 
And maybe that is something that resonates with you. What I've found in my life is that oftentimes, though, I don't approach my relationship with the Lord and the invitation to follow Jesus with that same type of anticipation. In fact, many of us, the way that we think about becoming a Christian or following Jesus, it's the opposite. We don't think there's any adventure left. We think when we're young, we need to make all our mistakes and have all our adventure. And then at some point, you know, when we start having kids, we need to get saved and right with Jesus because we don't want our kids to be like we were, right? Some of us are expert point. But many times we look at following Jesus, we look at a relationship with the Lord as something that really lacks kind of that adventure and that excitement, and somehow we have to just acquiesce and become like this rule follower who's just kind of bland and boring. Uh, and I remember people knowing when I was young that I uh, went to church a lot, and, and they would call me church boy and just assume I wasn't any fun. You guys, I'm fun. Hey, just give me a chance. You know, I'm, I didn't say I'm real fun but I'm at least fun. But one of the things that I've found is that when we begin to think about the plans and the purposes that God has for us, or when we begin to contemplate his design for our life, or when we begin to think about where he might lead us should we choose to actually follow him, it's not really a sense of adventure that we have there. In fact, most of us want something that he often withholds from us, and that's we want the particulars and the details to come first. Have you found that to be true? That when the Lord has stirred something in your life, immediately you want to know what and when and how. You want to have the things kind of mapped out and detailed out. And then, and then you'll take a risk assessment, and then all things considered, maybe you'll do that. And that could be something as simple as even coming to church. Maybe it's taken you a long time to re-engage with the church family for any number of reasons. But as the Lord has stirred in your heart the need to be in community of believers and to be encouraged and to bear one another's burdens, all the things that Scripture encourages us to do, maybe that was something that you were pretty slow in following Jesus back to. Or any number of spiritual disciplines or places of transformation or needed growth in your life, all of those things can be found in that as well. And sometimes we want to know all of those details because we don't see following Jesus as an adventure, right? An adventure lacks some of the details. In fact, some of the best stories that you have from your youth didn't start with a plan. Uh, They maybe didn't end very well either, but they're still the best stories. And there's this sense at times that when God calls us or he invites us to know him and to journey through life with him, that somehow that is a call to certainty. And what I would tell you that my experience is and what most believers who have followed Jesus for any number of years could attest to you is that it is not a call to certainty. It is a call to the unknown. It is often a call to adventure. And that's where we're going to start as we spend the next several weeks of what it looks like to discover a kingdom adventure with Jesus, to go on your own heroic journey to to see yourself moved and transformed and to even do great things in the name of Jesus because he's asked you to follow him into the plans and purposes that he has for you. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. You can go and raise that up. We're going to just pray for our hearts uh, in regards to the word of God. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, some of you already got it up. I love that, seeing the screens blink. Uh, Go ahead and open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, give us courageous hearts to respond to your word today. Lord, remind us of the places that you have called us forward where maybe we have stayed put. 
or the places where we've been reluctant or hesitant. Lord, give us the courage to say yes today. And Lord, give us a willingness to act maybe even this week as we take, take a step of faith into the things that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Your Bible out, you can go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 12. It's going to be kind of our starting main text um, today. And we're going to be looking at a man that many of you would be familiar with. His name was Abraham, but in Genesis chapter 12, it's Abram. He hasn't had his name changed yet, and so it's just half the size and easier to say. So in Genesis chapter 12, what you have is you have kind of the, the really uh, uh, crescendo introduction of Abram into Scripture. And if you are somebody who is familiar with the Old Testament, then you would know of Abraham. You might even know of Isaac and then of Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel, and that becomes the nation of Israel. So you may have a little bit of a, a threaded knowledge of that. Uh, and, and maybe this is your first introduction to him. But Abraham... Uh, and his story, or Abram as he is here, really begins in Genesis chapter 12. And if you have your Bible open, you might look, and your section might be entitled, The Call of Abram, that there's something significant about this moment. There's an interaction between him and God that really sets the direction for the rest of the course of his life, and honestly, for the rest of human history. It's with the call of Abraham that everything is set in motion that moves through the Old Testament narrative and then goes into the New Testament story that brings about the culmination of the entrance of Christ into human history and ultimately not only his death but his resurrection and all the cool stuff that comes after that. Really in human history it is set in motion right here. And oftentimes we look back if, with that lens, especially if you kind of know a little bit about that story or familiar with a, a, a scripture, we can look back and oftentimes assume that all of this stuff that we know now is things that everybody who was going through it in real time, that they knew those things then. But we have the benefit of having hindsight, and we also have the benefit of being able to read the narrative, something that those who were involved in the actual moment didn't have there, and that's important. So in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Lord is going to speak to Abram, and if you've got your Bible, you can read along with your version, but it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So again, this is the call of Abram. This is what kind of begins his new course in life and a new course in human history. And of course, if you uh, are familiar with those things, then you know that much of the blessing and the way that all peoples were going to be blessed was going to be through the Christ, the Messiah coming. Like it all plays into Jesus, his entrance, his substitution, death on our behalf, his resurrection, the new life he offers us. All of us is at the end of that. And oftentimes, as we see a man or woman of God who is demonstrating great faith in Scripture, we make the assumption that they knew more in the moment than they did. And that's why in our moments, when God asks us to take a step of faith, we say, well, wait a minute, I want the details. We have an assumption that somehow they were privileged information 
that you and I aren't privileged. We assume that they've seen a demonstration of the power of God. We assume that they have seen the miraculous. We, have, we assume that there's been some type of dramatic rescue or some type of miraculous provision. We, we assume those things. But as we uh, are introduced to Abram, none of those things have happened in his life. The only clear thing that at this point we're exposed to is that he heard the direction from the Lord and there was a willingness to respond to it. And let's just look for a moment at how little detail he gets. Go back to that first verse where the Lord speaks to him and says, go from your country, go from your people, and go from your father's household to a land I will show you. So here's what Abram is being asked to give up. Uh, Leave everything behind. I mean, that's pretty, let's just sum it up, okay? Leave your country, leave your people group, leave your immediate family. And if you read the rest of the narrative, he packs up his wife and those who were just kind of in his employ, and his single unit moves and goes to follow the Lord. But he's asked to leave everything that's familiar, everything that is known, everything that is comfortable, everything that he relates to, just leave that behind and we're going to go. And so it costs, really, in many ways, relationally at least, everything for this to begin. And so then let's look at the other side and see what God promises as a result of that, because surely God's going to give him some detail on the other side. Lord, what is it going to cost me to follow you? Hmm, just leave it all. Let's go. And so, okay, but what am I going to get as a result of it? Let's see if the details get any better. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's what he gets. And then the people that are nice to you, I'm going to be kind of nice to you and show them favor. And the ones that are mean to you, like, you know, I'm going to withhold. So it's some of us like that part, right? We've got some neighbors that we wish could fall into. Can I get some of that promise over here, right? And we read it through the lens of history. If you know the story, then this idea of him becoming a great nation, you know that he becomes the the father of the nation of Israel. Uh, His name being great. Uh, It's something where uh, there's blessing that follows him. You know the rest of the story if you have read the narrative, but none of that has happened at the point where God says it would. And in fact, if you distill this down to really what God is saying, he's saying, hey, I want you to leave everything behind Come with me to a place I'm going to show you, and trust me, it's going to work out for you. Like, that's the detail that he gets. You're, it, you're, you're, you're going to be known as a person of faith, and I'm going to bless you, and in the end, everything's going to work out. Okay, now let me just ask you a question. Has that ever been the details that God has given you when he's asked you to take a step of faith? Hey, this is what it's going to cost you, and trust me, it's going to be worth it. Are you ready to go? Like, that's a lot of following Jesus. That's a lot of the invitation to know God. And we have a tendency to somehow think that more will come before that point. But after this, right, if you read that verse, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. It was after this that all the other stuff came about. It was after this that he has a covenant made with God. It's after this that he has divine provision. It's after this that he has divine rescue. It's after this that he experiences the very real and tangible presence of God and angelic visitations. All of the things that we say, hey, you know, if an angel tells me, then I'll be willing to go. Hey, if I have miraculous provision, then I'll be ready to go. Hey, if you can kind of rescue me from this situation, then I'll be ready to go. All of that stuff happened in Abram's life after he said yes, not before. We're called into the unknown. We're called into an adventure. 
And many of us hesitate, we kind of balk, or we just kind of remain where we're comfortable because we're, we're not really sure about that. And can I tell you, it's not really the details that you are unsure about. You're unsure about whether or not you can trust God. See, that's the one that like gets down into me and like digs a little bit. Because when, when I am lacking the details and I'm unwilling to move forward anyway, what I'm actually saying is God, I would trust you more if I could see how this is going to work out in my favor. If you could just give me, you know, put a few more levers in my hand to pull. Give me a little bit more control. Help me, let, you know, how about I be a consultant for you, Lord? You know, and I'll pro bono my services as long as we're going the direction that I want to go. Like, we have a tendency to feel that way. And what's interesting is that this call of Abram, you know, you could raise your hand and say, well, pastor, he was calling Abram there. What does that have to do with me? This, uh, this call and this invitation to nondescript adventure is by and large the template that God uses through the whole of Scripture to call men and women of God to great things. And in fact, it's the same template that Jesus used in calling the disciples. And you can go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can read any number of places where Jesus talked to an individual or groups of people and said, come and be with me, go with me, and do kingdom stuff with me. The phrase that is most often repeated in the Gospels for that invitation is two words only, follow me. Not follow me here, and this is how we're going to get there, and this is how it's going to work out. Follow me. In fact, there are times where people are saying, well, where are you going? And his answer is not as pointed as this, but it's basically none of your business. It's you'll know when we get there type of stuff. Because the invitation isn't for you and I to know. The invitation is for us to go. It's, it's for us to get close and to, and to know the Lord, to, to follow him. Jesus calls each one of us with that type of an invitation. Come and follow me. Come and follow me into the design I have for your life. Come and follow me into the freedom that awaits you. Come and follow me into the plans and purposes that have been yours before you were conceived. Come and follow me into the design I've had for your life before the foundations of the world. Come and, come and follow me. And all of that awaits. And trust me, it's good. And it's going to be better than anything that you could have if you stayed behind but you'll have to follow me to get there and you'll have to follow me to know what those things are. Are you, are you willing to accept that invitation to the unknown, to accept that invitation to adventure? It's, it's a challenge. Uh, just this last week, me and my kids uh, worked our way back through the Lord of the Rings, uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I read those books when I was little, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I know, nerd alert, somebody, somebody briefly let me know uh, their thoughts on that in between services. But I've worked my way back through those movies with my kids just in the last week, and there's adventure, and there's triumph, and there's hardship, and there's all, all matter of, of themes that are, are helpful uh, in uh, building courage and, and seeing th life through a heroic lens. But in Lord of the Rings, as it's getting started, there's a conversation between a character named Gandalf and Frodo, who's this really nondescript, uh, uh, small-statured individual, if you're not familiar with the movie. And there's this opportunity for Frodo to kind of to go uh, into the unknown on this adventure. And 
uh, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings are really an, an epic adventure. But Gandalf speaks to him and he tells him this. He says, it's dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. I don't know if we think of just going outside as dangerous. Yesterday when the sirens went off, right, with the tornado warning, maybe that, you know, stay inside. But just, you know, getting up and going out, we do that every day. But it's dangerous to go out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. There was this invitation to kind of take a step out the front door and kind of into uncertainty, unknown, and, and not really knowing where it was going to be. And it was the beginning of this hero's journey that Frodo goes on. But I want to kind of bring us to a place of spiritual application and just suggest to you that what I have found and what I believe is true, that it is a wild and dangerous business to follow after Jesus. It, it's, it is wild. It is uncertain. It is an adventure that we're called to. If you accept an invitation from a living God to go wherever he would lead, it's wild. And if we sat and kind of opened up the stories of some of our journeys, I think every voice here could attest to that being true. That they took a step of faith to follow Jesus into something that maybe they even thought was going to end out differently than it did. And it took just a wild turn because God did something new and transformative and unexpected in your life. You weren't ready for it. And possibly if you had known it was coming, you wouldn't have started the journey. There's places in my life where if I would have known ahead of time, I not, might not have had the courage to go. I might have opted out. But oftentimes it's those moments that the Lord leads us into that are so formative and so transformative and are so needed for whatever the next thing that God has for us is. And many times we have a longing to see the promises of God fulfilled in our life, but we're not going through a transformation process that prepares us to receive those things. We, we long for it, but we're not prepared for it. I had friends in high school who received brand new cars when they turned 16 who didn't have licenses to drive cars. They weren't prepared for this lavish gift. They weren't prepared for what was on offer to them. And we can all kind of smirk at that, and maybe that was even you. But we relate to that. There's so many times where there's things that God is waiting for us to be prepared for in a sense of receiving. And sometimes that comes along the way as well. So what I want to do for a moment is I want to talk to you about a few reasons why we just kind of stay on the porch. That the invitation that Jesus gives us as he walks by and says, come and follow me. Why there's times where we just kind of stay in our chair. And I would suggest to you that the invitation to know God and to go with him, the invitation that Jesus extends to you to come and to follow him, that it's not just a, a, a moment of salvific grace, that it's not just a moment of salvation and that the invitation is just come to me and get saved and then just, you know, kind of do what you want until the end, but that the, it is a constant journey of going and growing and becoming who he has created you to be. And I found that there are reasons why I and maybe you hesitate 
uh, why we're uncertain, why we're um, reluctant to give up the comfort of what we know for the possibilities of the unknown. This isn't going to be an exhaustive list, but there's three things that I found to be helpful reminders, and maybe these will help you too, and if you're a note taker, this is the first one. So, so why do we hesitate? We're waiting for the details. We've talked a little bit about that. We flew over that kind of in the beginning, but oftentimes we want to know how is this supposed to work? Lord, you're calling me to a new career, but how am I supposed to do that when I have bills that I really have to pay? You're calling me to move geographically, but how am I supposed to do that when I don't have a place to land? You're calling me to this spiritual discipline, but I'm not sure how to take that next step. Like oftentimes we aren't sure what the details are and so we're reluctant, we hesitate going forward. I've seen this in a, in a number of my, my friends and my peers when they've gone through uh, like transitions in life and where, where they, they couldn't make the turn or they struggled to make the turn because they, they weren't really sure of what the next phase was. People who stayed in places longer or, or, or held on to things tighter were waiting for the details. But I just want to remind you, let's just look at Genesis chapter 12 again. God speaks to Abram, says, go from your country, go from your people, go from your household. And then here's the crux of the matter. If you're a note taker, highlighter, make sure you draw attention to this. You're going to go to the land I will show you. A lot of times the details that God begins to give us is once we're already in motion. It's when we've already said yes and we're already moving towards the plans and purposes of God in our life. There's, al there's already some type of response, and then there's a little bit more detail given. I love the, the picture in Scripture of the Word of God being a light unto your feet and a lamp to your path, or a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, depending on the turn of phrase on the transition that you have. But the, the metaphor is that the Word of God illuminates the path that you should walk. I love that. But can I tell you that a lamp or a light in the sense that they were talking about, it doesn't show the, the path to, you know, lit like the airline runways, you know, when the lights go out and the lights come on on the ground, you can see the path from here all the way to there. The lamp just throws it far enough to see the next step and you actually have to move into what you can see for the next part that you can't see to be illuminated. That's a lot of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But we want to know, we want to know what's at the end of the path, and are there any obstacles along the way, and how hard is it going to be, and what's this going to cost? But there's still a longing in us to go. We want to say yes. Every one of you here wants to say yes to Jesus. I don't know what he's asking you. I don't know what he's promised you. I don't know what he's working in you right now, but you wouldn't be here if there wasn't something in your heart that was oriented towards saying yes to what he's asking you to do, the next step that you are to take. And maybe that for you is to just receive salvation, or maybe that for you is to begin a process of discipleship. Maybe that for you is some other type of tangible response, but there's already a desire there, and it's very likely that you're wondering, well, what happens after that? Well, you have to take the step to get the next detail. But he will show you. I love that God doesn't say, hey, Abram, you're going to leave everything behind and go to a place. I hope you figure it out. You know, just follow your heart until it feels right. 
That's bad advice, by the way. He says, I will show you. I will show you. I want to say this very, very clearly. When Scripture says to ask, seek, and knock in relation to knowing God, he will not hide from you if you have an earnest heart that seeks after him. And it doesn't matter how mature you are in that faith or how uh, uh, um, kind of elemental you are in just kind of just starting out. He will, he, will honor, he will show you. He will show you. And even if you're in a place this morning where you're just like, man, I'm just not, I don't even know if I believe in this stuff. You press into the Lord and he will show you. He will not hide himself from you. You knock, you seek, you ask. He will answer. He will open. He will meet with you in that place. But he will. He will show you. So sometimes we're waiting for details. Listen to me. They're not going to come until you take the next step. They're not going to come until you take the next step. Second thing uh, or reason why a lot of times we're a little bit hesitant, and this is one that I have labored with before and I'm sure is going to be relevant to many of you. We don't feel like we're ready. It's really what we're saying is we're not, we're not prepared to go. We're not prepared to go. We're not prepared to take that step. And I've seen uh, in my life, and I've walked with people many, many times where they knew very clearly what the Lord was inviting them to do or to inviting them to be a part of. They knew very clearly what their next step was, but they were like, I'm not ready. You know, I just, I'm not ready. And sometimes it's because there's a fear and an anxiety. Sometimes there is this comparison that says that we've got to be kind of at the end of the journey in order to start the journey, which is, is it, it, it's not correct. You know, when I think of kind of this false start type of a thing, I think of my kids at swimming lessons. When it's just like the guys in the, in, in the water, the, 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 the gals in the water, their instructor is there, and they're just like, like just, just jump in the water. I can't swim. Yeah, I know, you're at swimming lessons. But I can't teach you to swim on the pool deck. Like, you have to get into the water. You have, like, there, there are things, there are parts of processes that you have to enter into. Listen to me, you are not prepared. Whatever Jesus is asking you to do, the, the end of your adventure, listen to me, you aren't prepared for. That's why he's not going to show it to you, because you would all wuss out. We would tap out and we would go do something else that's more comfortable, that's easy. We wouldn't follow through on that. You are absolutely not prepared for it. That's why he's inviting you to go with him. He's not saying, well, just go do that. That's why we're invited into participating with him to be a part of things that we would never have the opportunity to be a part of without him. Seeing things change through prayer. It's not because you got really good at praying. It's because you were willing to pray and partner with the Lord into whatever that next thing was. Places where you step into kind of growing and doing and being a part of the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's not because, oh, ooh, you've got some great skill set that you finally came up with. No, it's because you are willing to say yes to whatever opportunity comes that Jesus would lead you into and empower you by his Holy Spirit. You are absolutely not prepared. But the things, listen to me, the things that he has designed for your life are. We visited this verse in our last sermon series, but Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, that we are God's handiwork 
or masterpiece, depending on the way that your transition or your translation um, does that word. We are his handiwork or his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, look at this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want you to, I want you to understand something. The plans and the purposes that God has for you, the activity of your life, the things that are designed for you to partner with him in the kingdom of God, those are absolutely already prepared in advance for you to do. You aren't prepared in advance to do them. You and I are often prepared on the way. See, Abram starts as Abram. He's not Abraham at that point. Abram starts as Abram. He doesn't have a covenant with God. Abram starts as Abram. He doesn't have any miraculous provision or miraculous rescue or any real tangible intimacy with God. He just hears and obeys. And you can look at that same thing with Peter, James, John. Pick any of the disciples. Pick, a, pick Paul. Talk about a comeback story with the Apostle Paul. You weren't prepared in advance. Now, there's parts of your journey and your backstory that God will use as preparation for things that he will do in the future. But for you to begin your journey with Jesus, to receive the invitation, you will absolutely not be prepared. You can't pre-pack. You just go. Third thing that we have to kind of overcome, right? We're waiting for details. We don't feel like we're prepared. Is we expect our timeline. Have you been in that place? We expect our timeline. You know, Abram gets kind of this promise here. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'd be like, well, when do I get insta-famous? Like, I'm ready right now. Like, where's all this? I, there's a lot of greats in that verse, God, and I'm super ready for great. <laughs> right? We, we feel that way. Like, the timing is now. I said yes, and so do, does everything happen now? Can I tell you that your yes to Jesus begins the journey of transformation? It's not the end. And you may have struggled and had to fight everything to get to a place of just surrendering to Jesus, but that's the start of the journey, not the end of the journey. You don't get a congratulatory medal because you finally gave up on something that you couldn't do anyway. You finally get to begin. It's the starting point of all of the things that God has designed for you. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 to 16, these verses won't be up there, but I just want to highlight it quick. It's chapters later, as Abram is already in motion, as he's already moving into this adventure with God, that he has a dream and God gives him a few more of those details that maybe he was wanting. And the details that God gives uh, aren't ones that he probably wanted. In verse 13, it says that, The Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Oh, that's not details I was looking for, right? I'm going to be a great nation. Oh, hey, let me tell you about that great nation. Before they're great, uh, they're going to be in captivity for 400 years. And then after that, I'm going to lead them out with great possessions. And before any of that happens, Abraham, uh, you're going to die and just be buried, basically the paraphrase of verses 12 through 16 in Genesis chapter 15. Even the details that he gets about this great adventure that awaits aren't even really helpful. 
But the one thing I want to highlight here about God's timing is there are things that he wants to do in your life that has nothing to do with you and your life and has everything to do with what he will do in generations to come. Listen to me, it is so important for us to understand that. That the things that we do and the way that we partner in the plans and purposes of God for our life, it's not about your comfort, it's not about your immediate gratification, it's not about whether or not you feel good about yourself or even that you end well. There are things about what God has designed for your life that has everything to do with somebody else who is not yet present on earth, but will be. That's why we don't get all the details, right? Because that's hard to even imagine. It's hard to wrap our mind around that. That's why he doesn't lay out the timeline, because that part of the timeline doesn't really feel relevant to me today when I just have to get out of bed and go to a job that's hard. That's not how I feel. That's how you feel. I love my job. You're all like, I hope, we hope. Oftentimes, though, the details and the preparation and the timing are things that God gives us along the way. You know, I mentioned that I'm doing a lot of stuff here this morning. I'm doing the next steps. I did the worship transition. I'm delivering the message. You might be wondering, well, where's Pastor Beth? Where's Pastor Bob? Where's some of the other ministry leaders that, that aren't here today? And, and they're actually there in Akron at our sister Foursquare Church there. And Rich Moon, who has been a part of our church family for decades, is being installed as the new senior pastor in that church. And the reason why I share that with you is because that was an unlikely journey. That was, that was not an adventure that he was looking for or that any of us saw coming. Three years ago on a Sunday morning, Rich was sitting over here in the second row, and we were doing a sermon series where as we were wrapping up the message, we talked about what is your next yes? What, if, whatever the next thing that Jesus asked you to do, would you be willing to just say yes to that? And sitting there in that front row and taking that time of prayer, and that commitment to the Lord, he took that very, very seriously. And as he said yes, in the coming weeks, what began to stir in him was a desire to, to prepare to be a part of ministry. And he didn't have any imagination for what that could look like and any idea of where that could go. He had a career teaching at the college. He was only a couple years from just retiring. He was just going to finish out his, his years there. He was going to go off into retirement, uh, not a relaxing one because they've got a ton of goats and he gets to do a bunch of goat chores. But the rest of his life would have just been goat chores. So I guess that doesn't actually look that great as far as retirement. But he had a map, he had a plan, he was going to finish things out, and he was just going to go be farmer rich with goats. But he said yes to whatever came next, and it put him in a different trajectory, and he began to say yes to the next place of responsibility, and the next to the yes place of learning and growing, to the to studying and taking classes and just kind of considering things. And as he began to have his heart kind of changed towards this idea of, of being a pastor, his imagination was expanded very little. I had a conversation with him where this is as big as he could believe. Maybe someday I could be a part-time associate staff pastor helping like a real pastor. That's, that's as far as he could get in his thoughts. 
But the Lord has a way of taking the little yeses in our life and moving us further and farther along than we could have ever anticipated. And so a number of our pastors and a number of our leadership are there affirming him and just speaking life into this new season of his life. But it it started with an invitation to adventure with the Lord. And with that, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We're going to entertain a few questions that might be applicable to us as we close. Worship team, if you guys would come back forward and, and join me. For just a moment, church family, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and close your eyes. Those of you joining us online, close your eyes. I can't see you, but I know you're peeking. And that's just to close out any distractions and allow us to have an honest search of our heart with the Holy Spirit. And I would just start with this question this morning. What what about you? What is keeping you from taking your next step? What is, what is keeping you from saying your yes, your next yes? What's keeping you from following Jesus into kingdom adventure? You know, maybe you're like many of us and, and you're waiting for some details that you feel like you really, really need. And I don't want to minimize that. There are times where we need to wait and allow the Lord to reveal some details that are yet unknown. But many of us have enough to take our next step of faith. We're just choosing not to because we want to know more. We want to be more in control. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like you're not prepared. That you don't have what it takes. Can I tell you, three years ago when Rich said yes, he did not have what it takes. But he said yes to being developed. He said yes to growing in anyone who has stepped into the full capacity of what God has designed for their life could say the same thing. I did not have what it takes when I started. I was not prepared when I took my first step. Maybe you need to trust him as he leads you in that. Or maybe the timeline is something that you're wrestling with. And timing is really, really important. I don't want to minimize that. But sometimes we're trying to force God into our timeline instead of leaning into his. Or maybe you have something else that would be causing you to hesitate, making you uncertain. Maybe you're just comfortable where you are and you're not willing Uh, not sure that you're willing to, to risk the discomfort of an adventure. Whatever those are, would you be willing to surrender those today and simply say yes? Lord, that's the desire of our heart. Our heart's desire, many of us would know and be able to articulate Some of us would have to wrestle this out inside, but our our heart's desire really is that we would be able to surrender to you, to say yes, that we would trust you with the forward motion of our life, that we would be willing to move into adventure, the wild and dangerous business of following Jesus. Lord, give us courage today. Increase our faith. Lord, there may be some here who haven't, received the initial invitation to follow Christ. They don't know him as Lord and Savior. They haven't said that first yes that would lead them into the next sequence. Lord, would you prepare their hearts to know you? They would confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that you would raise from the dead. And as the book of Romans says, that they would be saved. Lord, we surrender those things to you today. We say yes. Lord, with a little hesitation and maybe a little fear of what it might look like, but knowing that at the end of that, Lord, it is the faithful blessing of your promise. 
that you go with us, that you go before us, and you invite us to know you and to go with you. And we say yes to that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, I want to encourage you to take a picture of our action steps. So these are some reminders you can kind of walk out in this next week. The first one is say yes to the adventure of following Jesus. Maybe you just start your morning, you wake up. Good morning, Jesus. I'm saying yes. Let's go on an adventure. Something that simple could be helpful. Number two, trust him with the timing and the details. He will show you when it's necessary. Number three, allow him to change you along the way because I promise you will be changed by that journey.